you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, we are going to spend our time this morning in verse 4 down through the end of the chapter and um, try to see what Jesus had for the church. Worship team, thank you very much for um, all that you do each and every week, preparing us to enter the throne room, and um, it is greatly appreciated. Let me just read for you these verses, and as I read them, I want you to remember the two kind of main thoughts or points this morning, they are these. The expectant church focuses on the important, and the expectant church changes because of contact with Jesus. The expectant church focuses on the important, and the expectant church changes because of contact with Jesus. Verse 4 down through The end of the chapter reads as following. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were burnished, were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. 
But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a a passage, what a letter that begins with these words. Father, every song that we sang this morning declared the words and the phrases and the sentences that were spoken and continue to speak from this passage. Father, might Your Word devastate us Might your word bring us to our knees, bring us to the end of ourselves so that you might do the work that you do, which is change hearts and lives and eternities. Father, the worst thing that could happen for every single one of us in this place today is that we have come in contact with you we have come in contact with your word you have spoken you have shown us who you are you have stated it you have demonstrated it and the worst thing that could happen for me or for us lord would be that we have come in contact and we leave unchanged may that not happen today May that not happen to any woman that is in this room, to any man that is in this room. Father, the hardest heart, the coldest life, is able to be changed by you and you alone. Father, we are your church. Would you speak to us this morning just as you wrote to seven churches in the first century? Would you speak to us as a collective body this morning? And Father, would you speak to us as individuals? Draw us close to you. We ask it in your son's name, in the holiest name, the greatest name, in Jesus' name, amen. River Bend Church exists 10 years old this Easter. This Easter, we will be 10 years old. But 10 years ago, this past week, we started meeting every Sunday night praying for you. 
praying for the community where we would be, praying for God to move in us, God to move through us. And now at 10 years of age, there have been a lot of people come through our doors. Some of them didn't like the preaching, so they left. One day y'all will wise up to that too, probably. But 10 years, 10 years, we exist for this purpose, this purpose stated to see people fall in love with Jesus. And for you and for me, for us as a church, for River Bend to live sent daily. That's why you're here. That's why after God saves you and after God saved me, He didn't just take us up to be with Him. He said, no, you're my witnesses in DeSoto County, in Tate County, in Shelby County. Wherever I take you, every single day, every single week, you are to be my witnesses because you're my son, my daughter. I saved you. I changed you. And so we exist as a church to see people fall in love with Jesus and for us to live sent daily. And as a church, you and I are to be an expecting, an expectant church, expecting Him to come back because of what He has stated. And with that, He writes this letter. He writes this letter to seven churches. He writes this letter to a group of believers, a number of groups of believers, seven of them. But he writes this letter for this purpose, so that you and I, the church, might understand the things that are where we live in 2017. And we might understand the things that are to come. as long as he tarries until he comes back for his church. And he uses John, that disciple that is loved by him, described that way by John himself. It's something when you have to tell others, hey, I'm the guy that Jesus loved, right? And he does it multiple times. But uh, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, verse 5 states, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Men. The expectant church, if that's who we are to be, and that is who we are to be, if that's what we are to be about in 2017, then we must focus on things that are important. We must focus on those things that are important. What are the things that are important? What does John record that are important? John records 
the things that are important. He records the description of Jesus. I just read it for you a second time in verses 4 through 8. In verse 4 through 8, Jesus is described as a faithful witness. Jesus is described as the firstborn of the dead. Jesus is described as the ruler of kings on earth. He is described as one who loves us, freed us um, from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom. He made us priests to His God and Father. He is described as one who is coming. And the expectant church focuses on these descriptions of who Jesus is because Jesus is important. The expectant church focuses on the things that are important, they focus on the important, and that is Jesus. One of our, she didn't know I was going to say this. I didn't know I was going to say this until I got up here. But one of our uh, early children's leaders is uh, back in the house this morning. And um, she's smiling now. But, but we remember... Going down the hall in a, in a classroom, in a school, out in Lake Cormorant, and trying to find toys for the uh, kids, and trying to make it a comfortable place in a stinky, smelly library that was pretty much nasty because of Lake Cormorant kids. Yeah, I said the name. And, um, you know, all along, my thought was, man, we, we, we just need to have kids program. We need to have this about kids and that about kids and this about youth and that about youth. And are those important? Maybe. Are they more important than Jesus? Never. They should never be more important than Jesus. We're going to study over the next couple of weeks, few weeks, these seven churches we're going to see where they get it right and also where they get it wrong. We're going to be directed by God's Word that we, River Bend, might get it right in 2017. And we might stop. If we are getting it wrong at this moment, we might stop and get it right. But the expectant church focuses on the important. You see his description in verses 4 through 8. But also, look at his appearance in verses 13 through 16. Let me read it for us again. In verse 13, it states this, And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man. I saw him clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. I saw his hairs, the hairs of his head. They were white like white wool like snow his eyes were like a flame of fire his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters in his right hand he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword his face was like the sun shining at full strength in those verses he is described his appearance, his physical appearance is seen. And as it is seen, all types of attributes and characteristics of this one, this important one, is seen. This week I was reading in my 
devotion, um, Oswald Chambers, um, my utmost for his highest. And this quote just pierced me. I want to read the quote for you. It states this, The only possibility of understanding the teaching of Jesus is by the light of the Spirit of God on the inside. Not from stuff coming from the outside, but on the inside. If we have never had the experience of taking our commonplace religious shoes off of off our commonplace religious feet and getting rid of all the undue familiarity with which we approach God, it is questionable whether we have ever stood in His presence. Take a second and let that sink in. If you and I have never taken off our commonplace religious shoes, off of our commonplace religious feet, and we've never Never gotten rid of all the undue familiarity with which we approach God. That we flippantly say, all right, hey, I'm just going to come to church on Sunday morning. I can come in here, the, the heater's going to be on, or the air conditioner's going to be on, one of them might be on way too much or way too little, and I'm going to sit in this seat, and for an hour, I'm going to just sit and y'all on the stage... I'll act, and I'll worship. Oswald Chambers states, it's questionable. It's questionable whether we have ever stood in his presence. Have you ever stood in his presence? Can you remember the moment that you stood in his presence? That's the important things. Those are the things that we as a church ought to be focused on. Those important things. His presence. He is described over and over and over again for the church. And He is described for you and for me in 2017. He has not changed. He rules and reigns in all splendor and glory and might. He is the Almighty One. And church, and sir, and ma'am. Is that where you're focused? Is that where you're focused today? That's where we need to be focused. That's who we need to be focused on. The expectant church not only is focused on the important, but the expectant church changes because of contact with Jesus. I love verse 17, I believe. I love that verse when John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Just think about that. When he saw this person, the one like the Son of Man, when he saw him with that robe that was long and the golden sash and his white hair, and he saw his burnished feet and he saw his eyes, they were like flames of fire looking straight through everything that John was thinking, everything that John had done. When he saw him, he saw in his right hand, he had those seven stars, and he saw coming out of his mouth that sharp two-edged sword as he was speaking, and it was a roar of water. 
It's like Niagara Falls times 100 million coming out of his mouth. That volume. When he saw that, when he saw him, Now, in that moment, that was figurative, okay? You, you need to understand that that was figurative. He did not die right there. But that is a picture for every single one of us, and that was a picture of John before he met Christ. Before Christ touched him the first time, he was dead. And before Christ touched you the first time, you were dead, and I was dead. It's not as if we were dead. No, we were dead. We were dead spiritually until Jesus touched John. And you need to understand, you didn't touch Jesus first, Jesus touched you. Period. The only way you have salvation, the only way that you breathe eternally, the only way that you live is because Jesus touched you. Not you touched Jesus. Jesus touched John. And he was alive why was he alive? Because Jesus touched him. When you and I come in contact, when Jesus touches us, things change. What changes? Well, our position changes. Where was he? He was lying on his back as dead. Your position changed when Jesus touched you. You were an enemy and now you're at the table. You were an enemy and now you're a son or a daughter. You were an enemy and now you are a close friend. You're not even a servant in the house. No, you are an heir to the king because he touched you, touched me. But not only does his position change, do you see that also his perspective changed. When Jesus touched him there in verse number 17, he says, fear not, he was scared to death, fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. I told you this a number of times, some of you can probably even state what my favorite chapter in the Old Testament is, it is Isaiah chapter 6. It is the same picture that happened in the Old Testament as that is happening right now in Revelation chapter 1 in the New Testament. God takes the curtains of heaven and He peels them back and allows a servant to see into heaven. He allows John to see Jesus in heaven here. He allows Isaiah in chapter 6 to see what is taking place. And when that happens, somebody's perspective changes. It's not God's, it's man's. And when you and I come in contact with God, when you and I come in contact with the Holy One, we see Him for who He is. And we see who we are. And my question this morning is, has that happened? With you. Has that perspective changed? Or has it just been another seven days? Has it just been a, another week? When Isaiah saw God. Let me read the verses. They'll be on the screen. When Isaiah saw God, here's what he stated in 
Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, and with two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. The house was filled with smoke. And behold, I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, or I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth. Who touched who? God touched Isaiah and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Last week I gave the opportunity for all of us to begin a journey. To read through God's word this year. To come in contact with him because he has spoken. He has spoken to you and he's spoken to me and it's called the Bible. It's his love letter to you. And I volunteered two people to share with us 15 seconds what verse hit them this week. And the first will be Mr. Potts. And uh, it is Genesis 6, 5 and 6. Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this is what slapped me in the face. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Mm. It's a tough verse. And Miss Smith, I'm not going to hand it to you. I'm going to give it to your wife. Miss Smith. I actually have a... It's on. Okay. I actually have a couple, but... Please do. In Genesis 6... Verse 22, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. Mm. Then also in 7, verse 5, Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Just convicted me that my partial obedience is not obedience at all. And, mm. and then I kept going back to the Lord just kept telling me, you know, Noah's wife just followed him. I mean, she didn't question. And, and it says, you know, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. My prayer for myself is that I will be a godly wife that will follow my husband. What happens when you and I come in contact? When we come in contact with Jesus? Our position changes. Our perspective changes. John's proclamation changed. Jesus said, hey... Once he got him up off the floor, once he, he stood up and he said, don't be afraid. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I need you to write these things down. I need you to write these things, these things that are, that you're seeing right now, and the things that will come. 
So in verse in chapters one, two, and three, those are the things that are. He's writing to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum, Thyatira, Laodicea, Philadelphia. He's writing to all those seven churches. Those are the things that are that's happened to him right now. And then there's some things that are going to happen. Chapter four through the end of the book, those things are going to happen. I need you to write these things down, John, because the people that come after you, some two thousand years after you, they need to know here's what's coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming back for them. I'm coming back for them. I'm coming back for you. And every eye will see me. Even those that pierced me. They're all going to see. And all the tribes of the earth are going to wail over me. Because I am a dividing person. Those that are with me. Those that are mine. Those that have come to life eternally, they will live forever. And those that have not life, they will live in utter darkness and judgment forever and ever and ever. The expectant church changes because of contact with Jesus. My question for you and my question for me is this. When's the last time Think about it. When's the last time that you just sat down and spent some time with him? When's the last time that you opened this and it wasn't five seconds, all right, I got my 12 verses in for the day or my chapter in for the day. But when was the last time that you just had unhurried moments in front of the king to allow him to come in contact with you, to allow him to touch you, to speak, Church, 2017 will not be what God has for you or for me or for us if we don't allow Him to come in contact. He desires. He desires to speak to students. He desires to speak to moms and dads. He desires to speak to you this week, this year. Will you and I slow down enough to allow him to? What's the purpose of the church? What's the vision for 2017 for River Bend? It's for you and me to focus on the important things. For you and me to focus on him. For you and me to come in close proximity so that he might touch you and might touch me. And everything changes. I remember sitting in a converted garage. It was now our multi-purpose room as an eight-year-old one evening. I was doing my math homework because I was a procrastinator and I have not changed in that. I do understand that. But I was a procrastinator and it was due and there was a lot of it and it was late. And so I was doing that because it had to be done. And that evening there were two other individuals in our home that weren't normally there. They were there for one reason and that was to share the gospel with two Tillmans, Charlie and Joetta, my mom and my dad. 
before those two individuals walked into our home that night, all four of the Tillmans who lived in Bartlett, Tennessee, were lost. Soon after those two gentlemen left, all four of the Tillmans in that house were sons and daughters of the king. Because he touched us. Not because two guys came and talked about him. But because he touched us. It wasn't just a decision that was made. It wasn't a hand that was raised. It wasn't me coming down to an altar. No, I hit my face on the ground because I knew my condition. A sinner. And he touched me. And he desires to do the same to you. Maybe you have never come in contact with him. Maybe everything has been a religious decision up to this moment, but He has shown Himself as who He is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty, the One who died, who lives forevermore. Ruler of all the kings of the earth. And He loves you. Stated right there in Revelation chapter 1. He loved you, loves you, and desires to set you free. His blood. If you don't know him, let me introduce him to you. If you know him, yeah, I've, I've studied that before, looked at that before. Come back into close proximity. Let him touch you again. Right now. Today. For we exist to see people fall in love with Jesus and to live sent daily. Heavenly Father. Father, these moments in Revelation chapter 1 have described for us once again who you are. Father, they have described for us the one that you sent. one that said in John chapter 19, Father, I'm a faithful witness because what you have sent me to do, it is finished. The, the task, the sole task, Lord, that you sent me for is finished. My blood is spilled for a wretched sinner named Brian Tillman and for all the other wretched sinners. It is done. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Father, might my life never be the same because I have come in contact with you. You have touched me. You have touched us. Those who are sons and daughters of yours, you have changed. Father, might I live that way today. Might I live that way this week. For you're worthy of that. Sir, the altar is open. If you need to come forward as we stand and sing in just a moment, you come. Ma'am, it is open for you. There's nothing special about bowing down at this altar. No, there's something special about the king. My prayer is, as we stand and as we sing, is that you would obey. 
whatever God has for you, surrender to Him. Obey Him right now, for you will be forever grateful and forever changed. Lord, you move in Christ's name. Amen.